Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Imagine the scene. Last week, at a crowded concert at the O2 in London, there's a brief lull. The audience is looking around, waiting for the next song. On stage, which has been set up like the inside of a house, there's a knock on the front door. The band is bringing on a surprise guest. As the door opens, the crowd gasps. In walks a star so famous, they can't quite believe she's real. She coolly sips a drink, takes a guitar and asks, Is it okay if I sing? The crowd goes wild. Because the surprise guest at another band's concert is a woman whose own tour tickets are so sought after that they sent the internet into meltdown. We had 14 million people hit the site, including bots. We did sell over 2 million tickets that day. We could have filled 900 stadiums. Taylor Swift is more than a pop star. She's a global phenomenon. Ticket sales for her latest US tour alone will make her more than $500 million dollars a record sum for a female artist. But then, Taylor Swift is used to breaking records. In just one day of sales, it became the top-selling album of the year. Already. Yeah, in just one day of sales. Of the whole year. So how did she become one of the biggest and most influential artists in modern music? And what makes her the voice of a generation She essentially lays Easter egg trails for fans and has them coming back and constantly questioning why did she look in that direction when she said that word. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, how Taylor Swift became the voice of a generation. My name is Charlotte Ivers. I'm a columnist for the Sunday Times and I'm also Times Radio's political correspondent. And a secret Swifty. Would we say secret? <laughs> I'm not sure we'd say secret. I think it's 
very public very public very public I wrote about Taylor Swift a few weeks ago for the paper and they brought it up when I went on question time everyone was being introduced you know this is the shadow secretary of state for XYZ and then it was here's Charlotte Charlotte Ivers Ivers is the political correspondent for Times Radio she also contributes to the New Statesman and writes about other things for the Sunday Times such as why millennials like her have never been cool and the genius of Taylor Swift it's now been on primetime BBC. It's now part of the CV. I want to say nation's foremost Taylor Swift expert, but there are about 500,000 people who would absolutely murder me for saying that and contend that they know much more about Taylor Swift and they're definitely right. <laughs> You're pretty much our Taylor Swift correspondent now. I'd take that. I'd definitely take that. <laughs> so tell us, recently she announced she was going on tour and it broke the internet nearly. <laughs> I mean, just describe what happened. I think Taylor Swift recently has really entered the stratosphere. She's always been one of the best-selling musicians of all time. There's no doubt about that. Every album she releases is hugely hotly anticipated. The most recent album went to every single number on the Billboard Top 10. That has never happened before. All the top 10 were Taylor Swift. Absolutely remarkable. And so there's a huge amount of anticipation around her touring. And it's going to be a tour called the Eras Tour, where it basically goes back through all the different albums that she has had out. Because, of course, during the pandemic, she couldn't perform a lot of her albums. So Mm. they've never been seen live. And actually, I had tickets to see Taylor Swift, I think, for the Lover Tour, and it got cancelled by the pandemic. So I I have been part of this story in a very small way. I was meant to see her in Hyde Park. So there's this huge, huge anticipation building. And one of the ways that Taylor Swift had tried to allocate tickets was by essentially getting her top fans onto a priority list. And you could get on that priority list by doing things like pre-ordering albums, buying her merchandise, very canny marketing. And about 1.5 million people were meant to have access to this pre-sale. And the website in charge of making sure this happened was Ticketmaster. And essentially, they had assured Swift that they were ready to deal with the demand. And when the day came around, everything collapsed. During the chaos, Ticketmaster tweets that there had been historically unprecedented demand with millions showing up to buy tickets for Swift's tour. Basically, you had several multiples of that amount of people trying to get their tickets, including lots of bots. You had tickets being resold for vast amounts of money and the website kept crashing and glitching. And then there's been uproar ever since, really. You have had outraged Swifties taking to the internet to sue Ticketmaster, to criticise Ticketmaster, in many cases to criticise Taylor Swift as well. And it's a real sign of the strength of feeling that these fans have. Now, that doesn't happen when every musician announces tour dates. You know, you don't have a complete meltdown. Here, not only does the world seem to take to the internet trying to buy these tickets, but when all of that stops functioning... There's an immediate political response too. Tell us about that. This is such a remarkable story. So you have the congresswoman, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and she tweeted about Ticketmaster. The congresswoman tweeted this, quote, daily reminder that Ticketmaster is a monopoly. Its merger with Live Nation should never have been approved and they need to be reined in. Break them up. She, of course, is someone whose politics broadly align with that sort of demand. Perhaps not a huge surprise. We know she likes Taylor Swift. But then what happens next is absolutely remarkable. 
The New York Times reporting on Friday that the Justice Department is opening an investigation into Ticketmaster's parent company, Live Nation Entertainment, over whether it has abused its power over the multi-billion dollar live music industry. And there's going to be a U.S. Senate antitrust hearing into whether these companies should be broken up. And that was a pretty quick turnaround. As Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tweeted, she said, well, that was quick. So you'd have suddenly this huge uproar, basically from a bunch of teenage girls and women in their 20s on the Internet, which has somehow ended up with serious inquiries taking place at the heart of the U.S. government. I mean, it is fascinating to see the influence, I suppose, that Taylor Swift has when you see that in action, when you see that there's an inquiry, which, you know, this investigation, people have been calling for it for a while. And then when Taylor Swift's tickets can't sell, suddenly there it is. Um, Charlotte, I mean, for you, where does your journey with Taylor start? (laughs) When, When do you sort of become such a big fan? Well, I'm a bit of a Johnny come lately in many ways, because the real hardcore Taylor Swift will tell you you have to have been with her since her debut album and the real fans are really into the early country stuff and I suppose from that era the really famous one is Love Story that is the sort of Romeo and Juliet interpretation of her and the boy she's in love with at school and they were there singing it in the playground and you know everyone was mocking them and they've stuck with her through the hard years I come in a little bit later, 1989, her first big pop album was the one that made her a person that I stood up and took notice of. It came out halfway through my first year of university. This is 2014, so you'll remember the big singles from it, something like Blank Space. That was huge. You had Style, the one about Harry Styles. You had New Romantics. All of these were the songs that I used to dance around with my friends to in my first and second year of university. And I was looking up the track list on this album and Out of the Woods was the song that I listened to back to back to get over my first ever big breakup. When I got my Spotify rap, it was still in my top five songs. So wow. it's never, never think about the man involved in that breakup at all. But I do think about Taylor Swift. So that's a, a sign of her staying part of maybe the true great love of my life. <laughs> I was going to say you found a replacement romance. <laughs> and for Taylor Swift, I mean, she started very, very young. Hmm. Talk us through sort of some of her earlier journey in music. So as you say, Taylor Swift started very young. She had her debut album, which was just called Taylor Swift. Then you've got other albums like Speak Now and like Reds. And they're all very romantic and they're all very much about heartbreak and about unrequited love and about being cheated on. And she occasionally faced a bit of criticism in some of these songs where she would be extremely critical of other women. Underestimated just who she was stealing from. So of the partner of the man she was in love with, for example, or of someone who had stolen her man. She's 
she would be quite brutal about them. And so that she came under a bit of fire over whether that was feminist. I think, to be honest, she was playing into a decades, centuries, even long tradition in country music, which is that you do have these big feuds that these songs tell the stories of. So I, I never quite thought that that was a fair criticism of her, to be mm. honest. But actually, that was something that people were very critical of her for. You very much had this attitude that she was a silly little girl who was singing about her feelings and her breakups. And that wasn't serious art and the serious music critics didn't like it very much. And I think two things have happened since then. The first one is that in the last few years during the pandemic, she released two albums called Folklore and Evermore. And those are really interesting because they are very specifically telling the stories of fictional people who aren't her. Betty, I won't make assumptions about why you switched your homeroom, but I think it's because of me. And it's very much her world building and almost telling these soap operas of other people. And that is her saying to her critics, no, I don't just write about myself. I can do all of these other things. You heard the rumours from me next. Essentially take me seriously. Also worth noting as well that these are a very different style of music. They are very much a rather more indie sounding, I suppose, style of music. And again, I think that's her saying to the critics, look, I know how to do this. Just because I'm not doing it doesn't mean that you are better or more intellectual than me. So that was very much a period as well where you had a whole new influx of fans who'd never liked the country stuff, never liked the pop stuff. They were maybe a bit cool for it. And then suddenly they fell in on top as well. So you've almost got three different eras of people finding Taylor Swift and loving her in different ways. But also you can see the music industry changing and people don't say that about young female singers anymore. They now appreciate and respect that on its own terms. And I think Taylor Swift has had a big role in making that cultural shift happen. As you say, there's been like a number of evolutions in her career at a very young age. And I'm trying to work out why she changed and why she might have wanted to change. I mean, in those early years, there was a very famous, very public incident at the Video Music Awards. Talk us through that and the the effect it seems to have had on her. This is the feud with Kanye West. It was one of the most cringeworthy moments in award show history. It's been a huge, huge part of Taylor Swift and who she is. So essentially what happened was Taylor Swift had won the Video Music Award for the best music video and she was up on stage. Thank you so much for She was giving her speech saying thank you and then suddenly up jumps Kanye West and he starts saying as became very famous, I'ma let you finish, I'ma let you finish. I'ma let you finish, but Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time. That was the start of the opening of a big can of worms. How did she respond at the time? At the time, to be honest, she just looks really upset because she is a reasonably young woman. She's very much holding back from this and she sort of goes relatively quiet on it. She does respond a little bit, but it's all very timid and all very tentative. And then you get further on in her career and you get to the reputation era of her career where she essentially starts to be a little bit more outspoken about what it was that had happened. So I'll take you through the long saga of what happened here. Essentially, some of Taylor Swift's friends started being a little bit more critical of what had happened. And then Kanye West released a song called Famous. Now, 
in this song, he has a line about Taylor Swift, which is, I still think me and Taylor might have sex. Why? I made that bitch famous. Wow. Yes, exactly. Wow. And then everyone's sort of saying, oh, we don't like Kanye West over this and taking Taylor Swift's side. Then... Kim Kardashian, who of course at the time was married to Kanye West, releases on social media a video of a phone call. I feel like Taylor Swift might owe me sex. (laughs) (laughs) That's not mean. Okay. Kim Kardashian is proposing there and that a lot of people fell in behind was actually Taylor Swift agreed to this and now she's pretending retrospectively to be upset about it probably for attention. And she sort of saw a real nosedive in her reputation as a result of that. That's when the album Reputation comes back, which is all about being maligned and rising through it and very much having to overcome a big public scandal. Tell us a bit about her response in song. Oh, so it's always difficult to tell. There are many, many songs that could be about Kanye West. They could also be about other people who have caused her problems in her life, of which there are quite a few. So in Reputation, you have the lyric, my reputation's never been worse. Listen for the best, my reputation's never been worse, so you must like me for me. Very much alluding to the idea that she has faced some big scandal or attack on her personal reputation. You've got the song The Man in which she talks about the idea that she's so sick of running as fast as she can, wondering if she'd get there quicker if I were a man. And so, again, very much this sense of something being off. But certainly there is a sense that she has incorporated a lot of what has happened over the last few years and over her entire life, really, into a lot of her output, particularly more recently. Coming up, Taylor Swift might have started off with songs about romance and pop feuds, but in 2018, she changes her tune and does something completely unexpected. That's after a quick message from a colleague. I'm James Marriott, a columnist, book reviewer and podcast reviewer for The Times. It's my job to explain and contextualise our turbulent social and cultural landscape in a way that is as interesting, informative and as original as possible. I can only do this thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. Subscribe today by visiting thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Taylor Swift, yes. one of the biggest names in music. She's decided to, to weed into politics. This is so out of the norm for Taylor Swift. Tell us a bit about her role in politics. So early on in her career, she very much stayed out of politics. She was a country singer first and foremost. She got involved in music when she was extremely young and all of her songs were very non-political. There was always this question over her politics and what her politics were. You certainly had Republicans claiming her as their own because of the country music links. There was a bit of slightly unnerving stuff where you had a few white nationalists who were very much claiming her and viewing her as sort of the perfect Aryan American princess. And wow. she remained very, very quiet about politics. You've been very secretive about how you vote, what you're voting for. Well, I mean, I just figure I'm a 22-year-old singer and... You know, I don't know if people really want to hear my political views. I think they just kind of want to hear me sing songs about breakups and feelings. <laughs> and then you had people saying, OK, well, why isn't she coming out and condemning some of these things? What do we actually know about her politics? And she very much seems to have retreated from that until a certain point. That point was in 2018. The first thing she did was she put out a graphic on social media expressing her support for March for Our Lives, and that came after the Parkland school shootings, and that was obviously an anti-guns march. So yeah. you've got her first initial dipping her toe into politics there, and then suddenly it feels like the floodgates open. She endorses her local Democratic candidate. She also, a year or so later, endorses the Equality Act and asks people to write to their senators to try and get that through. I want to thank everyone who signed that petition because it now has half a million signatures, which, which is five times the amount that it would need to warrant a response from the White House. And then as well in August, 2019, she comes out and she says that she's pro-choice when it comes to abortion. And she also describes President Trump's presidency as an autocracy. And that was probably the first time that she'd really made that personal stand against Donald Trump. And tell us about the the sort of the, the political influence. How has she gone about sort of trying to politicise a younger generation? 
It's very much about mobilising her fans, really. It's mainly social media that she uses. So, for example, getting people to write to their senators about the Equality Act. She promised to read all of the letters that people put online with the hashtag. And obviously, Taylor Swift fans are constantly desperate to get Taylor Swift's attention. So I'm sure that oh, will have got must a few have been millions of letters those. written. Exactly. She's occasionally politicised some of her songs a little bit. So you have the song You Need to Calm Down, for example, which is about LGBT rights. You just need to take several seats and then try to restore the peace and control your urges to scream about all the people you hate. Cause shade never made anybody less gay. So... Only the young was about rallying young people. But then I'm not convinced that there's anything hugely politically exciting going on in Taylor Swift's songs. They're all quite fluffy and lovely and, oh, wouldn't it be nice if we're all nicer to each other? And it it just sort of, to me, feels like a bit of an uncomfortable place for her songwriting. I'm not sure she is a brilliant political songwriter. She's a brilliant songwriter about human emotions, but it always just seems a bit motherhood and apple pie to me, to be honest. Not so much political. Not so much political, no. She is trying, but listen to me saying about one of the most excellent songwriters in the last couple of decades. Well, I know she's trying. (laughs) Maybe that'll be the next big twist because, of course, she does reinvent herself every few years. Maybe we'll get the sort of big protest song in the style of the 60s that comes next and she'll prove me very wrong. (laughs) With the, the politics, I mean, she's done less of it since... Joe Biden got elected. What are the things that she still comes out on? What are the things she's still talking about? Well, she does still make occasional political interventions. So, for example, in the recent midterm, she did come out to ask everyone to vote. And the language is rather ambiguous. She doesn't say for which party, but knowing her past form and past politics, you can get a clear sense of which party she thinks people should be voting for. So she says, this year, more than any year in modern history, the midterm elections will affect our access to fundamental rights, basic reproductive health care and our ability to make our government work for us. So that's vote democratic in all but other <laughs> in, words, isn't Without it? saying democratic. Exactly. Yeah. But then we also know that because she has also spoken about Roe v. Wade and she tweeted after the Supreme Court's decision on that front. So she is still making occasional interventions, but perhaps being slightly more selective about when she decides to do so. And as you say, that may just be a response to the fact they now have a different president, one who she Mm. is presumably a lot more positive about. And when she did come out and overtly ask people to vote Democrat, how did it affect her fan base? I think it did shake parts of her fan base. Obviously, country music tends to be associated with the Republican side of the political spectrum, although that hasn't always been the case. But certainly there are Republicans who feel a very strong sense of ownership over country music. And therefore, I think they felt in some cases a sense of ownership over Swift. So she certainly did have people saying that they were going to be, you know, ripping up their records and never listening to her again because of what she'd said. I think it was Donald Trump who said... Let's say that I like Taylor's music about 25% less now, OK? He wasn't alone on that, but I sort of wonder whether actually she gained more people than she lost. I'm not sure. Certainly it doesn't seem to have harmed her album sales. We can definitely say she's still selling records at an absurdly high rate. And Charlotte, for fans like you, this latest album arrived 
broke records. Just give us a sense now of how influential she is across the world. I think she's hugely influential in as much as celebrities and pop stars can ever be influential. It's not just album sales. Her social media presence is absolutely huge and she works very effectively at maintaining a relationship with her fans through that social media presence. It's me. Hi. I know that I have a habit of dropping cryptic clues and Easter eggs when giving you information about new music and I am not here to deny that, but I am here to defy that. I wrote a piece in the Sunday Times a few weeks ago about the way in which she essentially lays Easter egg trails for fans and has them coming back and constantly questioning why did she look in that direction when she said that word. I found 40 potential Easter eggs in the Bejeweled music video. Okay, so this is from the opening scene. There are the three candles in the background. How did we miss the most crucial Easter egg in Taylor Swift's 10-minute version of All Too Well? Why is that foam she picked up purple rather than pink? What does that mean about what she's thinking and what might be next in her music? And There are secret codes, Don. Secret codes, exactly. And I think we're seeing quite a mature approach to celebrity. Her having careered around, being very public, very private, very much having her feuds in public and expressing her feelings in public and big public breakups. And now she's become immensely private. She's very rarely photographed out and about, particularly out and about with her partner. But she is managing to maintain this incredibly close and intimate relationship with her fans because she is giving them these little hints. And so they all feel like they're having this massive window in on her life, even though actually no one knows anything about what her life is like now because she's managed to shut it down. So you're almost seeing the culmination here of several different attempts at getting that balance between being available to fans and also protecting her own well-being. And now finally she's found one that works, I think, for now. It's a really interesting form of celebrity. So it is sort of, whilst being stratospherically famous, she's very carefully controlling in a very contrived way in in the sort of little breadcrumbs and clues and, and trying to give you codes into what she might be thinking. It's incredibly contrived. It's masterfully put together. And yes, it's almost part of the appeal for a lot of Taylor Swift fans because, of course, all celebrity is contrived. Every time you see, I don't know, someone's popped out to the shops and don't they look lovely with no makeup, there's probably been some sort of PR back and forth <laughs> on that. And and every candid post on Instagram by a celebrity who just woke up is there for a reason and doing something for you. And I think almost in a response to that, you have seen a lot of celebrities who have decided to take that even further and say, okay, since authenticity is always manufactured, how about we go above and beyond and we create you a spectacle, we give you a show. And I think Taylor Swift is sort of doing that as well. She's saying, right, you're all fascinated by me. Frankly, you're all a bit insane because everything I do, you read loads into. Go on then. I'll give you something to amuse you with. I will let you read into this. What do you expect to see from Taylor Swift in 2023? (laughs) This is the question that is gripping the Swift fandom online. (laughs) There are even rumours that she might have retired from music entirely based on bizarre Easter eggs and clues in her videos. I don't think she's retired from music. She's got a big global tour. I'll be desperately trying to get tickets for the UK leg of that global tour. Good luck. Thank you. It's going to be an operation. I think we're going to get lots of us with a spreadsheet trying to buy tickets in lots of different directions. So I think that will be the major focus and that's going to be quite exciting to watch. 
All of that being said, Taylor Swift is immensely unpredictable on the ground that every couple of years she rips up who she is in terms of her music and public persona and presents you as something completely new. So I would not want to bet. (laughs) Who knows? Who knows what former Taylor Swift will be seeing in a few years time. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, Sunday Times columnist, Times Radio political correspondent, and our Taylor Swift expert, Charlotte Ivers. You can find all of Charlotte's work at thetimes.co.uk with a subscription, or follow her on Times Radio. The producer today was Priyanka Deladia. The executive producers were Kate Ford and James Shield, and sound design was by David Crackles. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Tomorrow.